It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. I'm trying to bum us out here. Maybe it's time to let the Rich. old ways die. Rich, how can you do this? It's left versus right. Anthony just finished a great hour of In the Middle. He comes in with a Bradley Cooper song. You, you devious. How do you like that, Anthony? From A Star Is Born. Funny, we got a call in the last hour. And I said, watch out. Oh, wait over your shoulder. You couldn't play Thunder Dice, Lady Gaga. You had to play Bradley Cooper. You know, you are so devious. I would never do that to you, Anthony. Just know that. I would never. Even though Sid and Bernard were all over my case Thursday morning saying, you got to ask him. You got to ask him. Rich, come on, man. You that, get, that, that's below the, way, have, the belt. We have to end right at four today. Lady Gaga's picking me up, and I got to I gotta hop in. and. Ha. So now um, I was looking at uh, Thursday's New York Post. What? What? You really? You're going to do this? I, what, I'm going over all our notes about our show notes. Doesn't anything about this this subject. Yeah, Hold yeah, but you got to understand the pressure was put on me by Sid and Bernie, uh, and they promised me a full page ad in the New York Post if I popped a question to right. you because you've been avoiding page six. Although you didn't avoid the front page of the New York Post, it was your former wife Uma on one side, Bradley Cooper on the other side. And you were peering over his shoulder. So did you did you hear they're making Huma's book into a TV series? No, I listened to the diva of our radio station who interviewed your wife, Joan Hamburg. Right. And now, she never mentioned the fact that they're turning it into a TV series. No, they they hadn't it's only made news this week. I, I don't know if you I don't know if you follow the celebrity gossip like I do. Because that's that broke this week. Frida Pinto, you know the actress from Slumdog Millionaire, yes, beautiful yes, actress. Yes, I love that. I love she, that movie. Yeah, great movie. Um, she, I think, won Best Picture. Didn't yes. It? She, uh, she bought the rights. Her production company's making it. But do you know what this means? That means someone has to play me. Mm. And if someone's playing me, that means someone has to play you, Curtis. That's right. Because you, you know, there's got to be at least one storyline about oh. what's going on at the radio station. I figured it out. At one time, he was as good as it could get, and then he ended up in this triple X-rated theater in Sarasota, and there went Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. There went Pee Wee Herman, although he was great in Blow. Did you ever see Johnny Depp in Blow? I have Blow no idea what you're talking about With right Pee Wee Herman. He was so good. Did you just have a stroke or something? What no, are you talking about? No, this could be the comeback for Pee Wee Herman playing Curtis Lewa. Oh, I got it. I you got know, it. he's a good yes. actor. I met he's him one a, time in Hollywood. He's a very good actor. But I think they're going to want someone who has your, your physical characteristics. Mm. So, um, I don't know. Like, who, who do people say you look like? Uh, well, how about uh, we revive Urkel? We give a black guy Come an on. opportunity Come to on. play my role. Right, Rich? So it's time funny. that we give black guys a chance you, to play a white man's role. It should be me. Oh, yeah. You know what? You're on to something, Rich. I, you know, I mean, it's it's already clear Kevin's playing himself. Um, I don't know, you know, and and no one, I think Nico sued to be not in the movie. He said, I don't want to even be any part of this. He said, I want no part <laughs> oh, of oh, it. Oh, let me give you a story. Jean-Claude Van Damme, when he was at the top of his game, you know, uh, from Belgium, martial artist, he was doing all those martial arts movies. And John Avelson had the rights to the Guardian Angel movie at that time. Cannon was oh, going to really? do it before they went belly up. So Avelson had just come off of Rocky, the karate kid. His own son became a guardian angel in New York City, right? Slam dunk. Who did I get a call from? Jean-Claude Van Damme with that crazy accent. I can play you. I can. No, you can't. No, you can't. Oh, uh, I can play you. They were going to make you like a vigilante karate guy yeah. down in the subway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Chuck Cito knocked out Jean-Claude Van Damme in a nightclub. Oh, I remember that story. Yeah, yeah Chuck's the toughest guy. Yeah, yeah. That's a guy I would never want to tangle with. Members of the Hells Angels, uh, affiliated with mobsters up in the Bronx. Right, Definitely right. the toughest man. So there was an opportunity that Jean-Claude Van Damme could have been Curtis Lee in the Guardian Angel movie. And then Cannon, the two Israeli brothers, went bankrupt. Yeah. And there went the movie. Into the abyss. That was your opportunity. I mean, not as good as doing overnights on the weekends. I mean, that's 
Then well, that's theater of the mind. Th- that, and that, but that's reach. I mean, that's a lot of people. That are no, there's no doubt. But now, since this will become a a movie of some type, right? I'm assuming cable. No, it's a TV series. Oh, TV series. Like a Netflix kind of thing is best I can Okay, figure. so unfortunately that means I have to pay for it, right? To watch it? Yeah, Netflix. You'll get invited to the premiere. What are you talking about? Oh, wow. You can red carpet, red hat. You're going to red beret. You're already oh, the to go. Are you there? kidding? Are you kidding? Oh, man, this is tremendous. Did, I, I didn't read carefully. Did Huma acknowledge you in her book, like as an inspiration no. or anything like that? No, 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 no. I mean, we don't want to go back there. What I used to say about your wife, Huma, and Hillary Rodham Clinton. I, I please don't. Please yeah, don't. We won't. You know, we won't. I, I still run into people, and this is actually true, who, who say, I can't even do a show with that guy. And I'm like, what are you talking He said X about this guy in 1985, and I'm still holding it against him. I said him. about you. The I know said about exactly. you. That's what I say to him. I said to him, he wasn't, no one's been harder. Those guys at that station have been harder on me than anybody in America, My maybe. nickname for you is Anthony the Weiner Wiener. That's not the best I've heard, uh, but that's yeah, not yeah, but that, <laughs> that was my uh, – remember, in the business of politics, because I would be on TV, I'd be on radio, some looked forward to getting a nickname. Others hated it, despised it. But yeah. you, you are always good natured. It didn't matter where we were and what well, kind of I circumstance. Mean, I'll be honest with you, Curtis, and my brother Jason, it's his birthday today, both Snurdly's birthday today also. You know, he'll attest to this. When you're named Wiener, you basically become a nerd to any nicknames after about the fifth grade. It's kind of the same material getting done over and over again. But, um, your, but yeah. This was your problem. This was your problem. Yeah. There was another guy born long before you in Queens, went to Jamaica High School on the Hill. Went to Queens College. His name was Michael Weiner, and he said, "I'm not going to cut it in radio. I'm going to call myself Michael Savage." I remember that. Yeah. Savage. So you see, you could have. And nowadays, think of all the pronouns you could have picked. I mean, you could have identified with any name. Well, I mean, there is an argument for just being Weiner with an exclamation point. You know, just be like one name, like Cher, Madonna, Gaga, and like you know, if things work out with me and Lady Gaga. It's Gaga Weiner. So, I mean, I think there's there's all kinds of. I listen. I would never think in fact. You know, sometimes people say that to me. Says, you know, do you think? Or as much my 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 shrink said this to me. Says. Maybe you should go with Anthony rather than Wiener because for a while they're saying the Anthony Wiener show. Just go with the Anthony show or something like that. I would never I would never change this name. I mean, Wolf Wiener, my great-grandfather, came here in 1898. He was a big deal in the Furrier's Union down the Lower East Side. Um, now, look. Anyway, we're, we're getting far afield. We're getting far Oscar Mayer Wiener never changed his name, right? And this look at true. what it became. And look right? at how, how good he's the doing. The ultimate hot dog in the Midwest. I mean – Nathan's famous. Nobody knows that in the Midwest. Right. It's the Oscar Mayer Wiener. In fact, I actually rode the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile through New York City. You did? Through New York City. That's after I won the Oscar Mayer Wiener hot dog eating contest outside of Man- <laughs> Madison Square Garden. Now, those were my competitive <laughs> eating days. You see, imagine that I had, to, I had to keep it down. But wait a second. I like this idea. Grand opening, right, of the first of the series. That will focus on your former wife's book. What's the name of the book again? It's called Both and A Life in Many Worlds. And I got to tell you, it was a great interview by the grand dame of WABC, Joan Hamburg. She really got a lot of information out of Huma. In fact, boy, it would have been great. Huma could be an expert on what goes on in Saudi Arabia because of, obviously, family dealings. And not too many Americans uh, who know much about that. But... What, what, what year are we talking about? 2024, 2025, 2023? I mean, I'm getting ready already. I Just don't worry. You you will be invited. It, it goes it goes without saying. I, I don't know anything more than what I... Who's going to play you, though? What I've heard. You've raised an interesting question. I, it's open. Maybe, maybe our listeners can lob in some ideas. I, I don't know. It's obviously got to be someone handsome. Now, does it? Why was there such a pause there, Curtis? Wouldn't you rather have a great thespian, you know, somebody who's really good at capturing Anthony? I know, but remember, this is her story. I mean, there are elements of this book that are not... They're not great moments for they me. They throw shade at you. They throw shade at you, as we say in the streets. So, at the very least, if it's going to be someone like just getting his butt kicked in the in whatever it is, I I don't, I, I really don't I, I don't have any insight into that. And who's going to play? Who's going to play what? Now you, you give me an opportunity. I'm like Len Slice. You know, you used to be Len Slice. Let's face it. If they had to lock people in a room for all the times they were before cameras, uh, Chuck Schumer, your mentor, right. would have been one. Al Sharpton, Donald Trump, citizen at the time, Curtis Sliwa, and Anthony Weiner, right? Am Al, I right or wrong? Al, Al D'Amato, Mark Green. But, yeah, you're, you're basically. Yeah, Mark Green, yes. Yeah. Al D'Amato on and off. He had okay. his, he had his uh, yeah. days in which he was missing in action because of his own personal actions. Right. 
in which all of a sudden he had to duck for cover. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there, it was a certain, I mean, I definitely believed in doing regular press availabilities. And, you know, this is a part of the thing when, when I had my great undoing, like I was so betrayed by these media people that I realized, you know, but, um, I don't know who's gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna play me. I, I don't have any, I'll be probably in the top 50 or 60 people to find out. But the whole concept of people talking about exes, we all go through that, whether it's a man or a woman out there. And by the way, I want to set the record straight with everybody saying you have to gender identify and sexual uh, identities. Let's just call people by XX, the chromosome, XY. It makes things so simple. But you know, and this goes on with a lot of our listeners who are, uh, are not in the limelight. People will come up to you and say, hey, you know what your ex is up to? Hey, I saw your ex the other day. Uh, and I got to tell you, I've had a few exes, so it happens to me often. Is this true, Curtis? I didn't realize that about you. Yeah, it, <laughs> it happens often. <laughs> Uh, what is that initial feeling, initial feeling? Without this stuff that we're talking about in terms of Bradley Cooper, just in the fact when people come up to you and talk about your ex. Well, I'm not a good example because, you know, Huma's still my best friend. She's still so – we talk about everything. We share what's going on in each other's lives. We have Jordan. We have this living arrangement that we live in the same building, and Jordan runs back and forth. And also now Jordan is at the age where he's asking – Probing questions, and uh, we are and we're being honest with them, you know. So if he'll see someone that maybe I'm going out to see, and I'll say I'm going out to, and and he'll be who's that, and so. But it's not a maybe it's not a typical relationship in that regard. Is it? I this that I I you know I'm I'm crazy about Huma, and I'm, I I love her dearly, and we, we're different stages in our relationship now, and we're more, more friends, but we're very close. So it's not that kind of thing. And the other thing about Huma and me and, is that the kind of stuff that we went through, no one else really understands, right. right, to be in that kind of a cauldron. Like we were kind of in it together. I mean, I dragged her into it, but she was a very public person in a different kind of way before she even met me. Um, yeah, so I don't have any experience experience with that. I mean, we have a very uh, – you know, after years of me holding a lot of secrets and keeping a lot of secrets – just the same way I talk about them on the radio now. Obviously, she and I talk about a lot of stuff as, as honestly as we can. Well, you know, it's uh, amazing because when it comes to me and my exes, you know, the only time I ever talk to them is if it has to do with any of our children. Other than that, lose my number. Please, lose my number. I don't want any yeah. conversations. It's sort of like, it was over. Okay, it's over. Uh, we'll look at each other in the streets. We'll actually pass. We won't even say a word to one another. Like two ships passing yeah, in the well, night. Well, that's not me and Huma. I, I mean, I, I love her dearly, and I want her to be happy, and I'm happy if she's happy, and, and her successes are, are I, I feel, are just are, are so well earned, and she's such an amazing woman that um, that enough good things can't happen to her. Well, that's not a good knockers for you because uh, you know I've had other people on the radio over the years. You, you just mentioned their ex, and you walk out, go get a, a bowl yeah. of soup or a sandwich, and they're screaming and ranting and raving, and then you got to come back and give them liquid Prozac <laughs> to calm them down. That, that's unique. That's very unique. And yeah. obviously, part of it is because of your child. Your child is the priority. Right. And also, as I said, you know, we if you think about the stuff that we've been through and that I put her through and my time in prison and and the things that I did to bring our, our lives down, crumbling down around us, there's not a lot of, you know, now here we are. We're both. Thank God. We're you know, Jordan's doing great. We're both doing great. And, you know, so it's kind of like you've been through battle together. Sure. So there's sure. a, there's a little bit. And she's been amazingly, you know, as I've gone into recovery and she's been amazing about kind of understanding that with me and being there when I needed her to be for that part of my, you know, being there when I went into rehab and that kind of thing. So I owe her an enormous, enormous debt. When I talk about the amends that I owe, she's the number one person on my list. So to the extent that she's doing well, that makes me feel a lot better about the or the way things have gone. Well, you know, as uh, I certainly do, uh, I owe so much to my wife, uh, Nancy. She's the keeper. But you've known, you've known me over the years, a lot of my relationships, front page, tabloids, yeah, totally. for weeks. For months, for years, things that I said, how the hell did they ever find out about that? Smeared over, or as uh, the publisher of the uh, New York Post years ago told me, the godfather of my oldest son, Anthony, he goes, Curtis, you know, once they file legal papers, 
all the tabloids go for it. If we don't print it, the Daily News will print it. You know what? Grow up. You can do a nice montage of your, your, your New York Post stories over the years. <laughs> but my wife, Nancy, is so tolerant of that. Uh, I, I, I think most women could never deal with all that Michigash that I've created in my own life. Good for you. So now... We got that out of the way, Sid and Bernie. I know they were probably listening along with all their sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys. Anthony stepped up to the plate, dealt with it, and you, Rich, you are, this is a shanda udiskratia. Blame it on Rich. Blame it on Rich. Open the show where the star is born, not with Lady Gaga Thunder Thighs, but with Bradley Cooper. You know, there's a special place for you in hell, Rich. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Wow, you really, what are you, you depressed? Oh, hello, baby, you called, I can't hear what about Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett, right? Actually, you know, I think she, uh, Lady Gaga, where she grew up, Greenwich Village, she went to that Catholic school on 14th Street. This has nothing to do with what we last talked about. This is Lady Gaga when she first hit the big time. You know, she would go to Parsippany every day and take the New Jersey Transit bus to learn her craft. This is when she had dark hair, not the blonde yeah. hair. This woman worked hard to become she who she is. Because nobody wanted to give her any play, any time whatsoever. But every day when she'd be going to the Port Authority to catch that bus to Parsippany to develop her craft with her producers seven days a week, she would pass garbage in the streets. It's what we grow up with, New York City. But we've had a rating that has come out, Anthony, and you, who should have been mayor and could have been mayor, what would you do now that we're rated the second dirtiest city in the world? Only Rome is first, New York City second, Glasgow, Scotland third. And I would concur with these findings. I've been to these cities. And the cleanest city is Stockholm, Sweden, where you can't even find a candy wrapper on the ground. Well, this is – look, I talked about this a lot when I ran for mayor. I know you did when you ran for mayor. I'm taping an episode of Keys to the City about this subject. There are a couple of things that we can do that I don't know why we don't do. First of all, in my view, bad idea to restore four-day-a-week, which is what it is, alternate side. You know, you just get cars out circling around. I am much more concerned about street, about the, the garbage on the streets, the garbage on the, the, the waste paper bins. So the first thing I would do is I'd say – Half the time that you're out there uh, with alternate side days, take those days off the calendar, take the guys out of the, the trucks, and put them pushing brooms like it used to be when we were growing up yes. on the big shopping strips. Yes. Two, we have a lot of vacancies, a lot of empty stores. That doesn't mean you don't have an obligation to clean. I would give summonses to the owners of those buildings because the shopkeepers all around are trying to keep it clean. They're getting summonses, but just because there's no one in there doesn't mean they shouldn't get a, sum, a, a summons. A third thing that, um, that that we should do, no more sh- solid roll-down gates. You have to be able to see inside so there's some light coming out because it just collects garbage. If you look at the places that have the most garbage out outside, it's the closed shops. That's where the people hang out. You should have, uh, have gates that at least have some of the slots in them so you can see inside some light uh, comes outside. But I don't think that there's any reason that should be smelling and being this bad. And I think, I mean, we do have another problem, and we talked about this a little bit. I understand that that people like, some some restaurateurs like these outdoor restaurant shacks, whatever they are. They're becoming places all around them are becoming uh, garbage collection places. And I think we've got to start start dealing with that as a real problem. I don't mind giving more of the streetscape to, to, to these restaurateurs. I don't mind having outdoor places that you can eat. But it has gotten, it is really bad. Now, you talk about the smell. You know, it's a little bit like you're a cat owner, right? Yes. Someone comes into your apartment has never been there before. They're like, ooh, what's that smell? You don't even notice it because you live, you know, I don't notice the smell. That's the way we are. People come visit from out of town. like, ooh, what's that smell? That's New York for you, but we shouldn't have to put up with it. 
Um, well, what do, what do you think? What are some of your ideas? No, no. First of all, very cogent. Uh, most people wouldn't get into the fine details of keys that. Keys to the city. Download well, it now how, how on your podcast. Get, how do you get keys to the city? Keys to the city, a podcast. Every year, every week, we do another idea. I think episode seven is going to be about about this one. You can get it at the the Red Apple Podcast Network or anywhere you download. So WABCRadio.com. That's right. Oh, I'm going to certainly follow up on that because you're right on point here. The other thing you mentioned in the house, we have 18 rescue cats in 324 square feet. And a New York Times reporter came over to interview uh, us during the campaign, assuming that they were going to walk in and there'd be a smell. Now, I don't change the litter. My wife, Nancy, does. And she's got it down to a science three times a day. And she goes through it with the rake, and she, she right. finally sifts it. It's no smell. But that's only because she works very right. arduously at it. Now, in our city, we need to come up with retirees, men and women who live on the block. You give them a stipend, and their job is to clean up the block. Now, my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, couldn't read, couldn't write. Uh, the house that he owned was right on 89th and J and Canarsie. That when he would sweep in front of the house, he would sweep the whole block. And I would say, Pop, why you do that? Oh, have to. I, I, it bothers me. I can't go sit and smoke my De Noble cigar until I sweep the whole block. This was like a old Italian, Jewish, right. old-timer tradition. We don't do that anymore. Now, there are a lot of retirees. They would love you with a broom in their hand just to go around sweeping with the pooper scooper and all that. Because that's the other problem. We have people who don't clean up after their pets. Right, right. And there should be a way with a power spray uh, that you can power spray that so it goes right down into the sewer in the corner because it's only getting worse. Now, the mayor the other day was asked the question. <laughs> he was trying to sidestep it by saying, well, the only thing I smell is uh, the smell of pot in the air, which is true. It's like a purple haze over the city. But this is something he should be able to deal with. This is something that it's basic nuts and bolts. Now, how would you wrestle with the sanitation union? Because years ago, you're right, they used to have the brooms on the outside of the truck. You could actually see uh, the push brooms. They've done away with that. So once they finish their route, whether it's a recycling route or the garbage pickup route, they go back to the sanitation barn. They don't ever have brooms to uh, sweep. And we have now. Business improvement districts all over the city, the men and the women, they clean and they change plastic bags. And yet there's more trash than ever before with less people in the city and less storefronts. Yeah, I mean, there, there's by, by the way, they're, 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 technically it is illegal to dispose of household garbage in the corner bins. There used to be sanitation inspectors that would go out and break open the yeah. bags and look for things like that. But I'll tell you another thing. I mean, since we're talking about ideas. Those receptacles for the free weekly newspapers, those ugly plastic ones that are out there, that a lot of them don't even get newspapers delivered to them anymore. They're only there because of a kind of weird interpretation of the law that that constitutes speech, and so you can't ban them from the street side. I say anyone who wants to stand there with a newspaper giving it out, fine. That is your speech. That's your right. You're an American. But just putting a red plastic bin that becomes this repository for garbage is a problem, and 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 there is this other problem that you have seen in your time in New York. You've seen we went from those lightweight, durable wire mesh bins yes. to now these bigger ones that open on the side that I can't imagine sanitation workers like dealing with that have taken up more space but actually hold less garbage. Yes. They hold less trash, and because people think they look better, why not? And a, a, another thing we're seeing that happen. This is happening in the subways also. The strategy seems to be to take away sanitation bins, Yes, thinking that it will reduce overflowing sanitation bins. That's government at its stupidest. Like the idea, well, if we just turn away from it, there won't be a problem. But if you look at the 311 reports, right after noise is smell and garbage yep. all the time. This is a major problem. And rats. And as a and result rats. of open garbage everywhere, as you mentioned, the restaurants, especially those that have the airplane hangers outside the street, <laughs> you can land in 747, and then they pile up the garbage on the side. The rats get right into it. They, they chew right through the plastic bags. You see, they're mostly nocturnal. So I'm nocturnal. Not only that, they come out at night. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm out there at night prowling around myself, and I see them, and there are armies of them. And if you don't pick up the trash, and then the private sanitation, they need to be clobbered, too, because those guys, they just come along, throw the trash in the back right. of the hopper, and if it ends up on the street, they don't come back and clean it up. Right. you got to hammer them. It's not happening.
Yeah, no, there's a, a lot of that. Like the the rats, I noticed you know a lot about the city changed COVID. The rat problem changed in a way because those rats became a lot more courageous. They don't get out of your way anymore because during COVID they had dinner food to eat because restaurants were closed. Um, much more aggressive. I've said this before. The rat problem is if we're we cannot give the rat summons. They don't pay them. They just don't pay them. So giving all those rat summonses is not working. They they call their little rat lawyer. They go into court when they, they want to. So I don't think that's the solution. Well, you know, just last night I, I did a Jesse Waters segment about shoplifting. I'm like the expert on shoplifting. Right. So I come to 50 Rockefeller Center to catch the train back here because i got to get ready for the overnight show, 12 to 6. And there's a guy sitting on the, uh, the platform, a worker. And there are rats behind him. They're like doing the crypt dance, the horror, the tarantella. So I go up to him. I touch his shoulder, and I point in the back. He saw those rats. He got up. One of his shoes was off. He went running. You know, he's terrified of rats. Yeah. I had to chase him with the shoe. Hey, pal, you left your you shoe left behind. Your shoe. But the rats are so bold and so brazen, it doesn't appear to be a singular plan to deal with them. But I'm interested, again, how can I get... This uh, special uh, keys to the city in which you're sharing with us. Well, that 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 episode hasn't dropped yet. I'm, we're taping it tomorrow. I'm having a a I'm going to say a conversation. Maybe we'll call it a debate with someone who represents bike riders about this idea of going back to as much for um, street sweeping beca- about um, uh, uh, alternate side because I believe rather than have the alternate side trucks come four times. One day, have them out sweeping our streets. You mean the dust machines. I call them the dust machines. When we come back, though, now that we're tapping into your expertise, because you you could have been mayor, you should have been mayor, you would have saved us from eight years of de Blasio, what would you have done? Imagine if you were the mayor right now with all the empty space in Manhattan, 5,000 empty businesses since the lockdown and pandemic of March in 2020. See, we don't just talk about the news. It's not just rip and read. We actually, on left versus right, try to come up with some of the solutions that you obviously can experience each and every day exclusively here on WABC. If you missed any of Anthony Weiner's singular show in the middle, just go to WABCradio.com for his podcast and actually his keys to the city, which could well help save the city. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right. In the right corner, it's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa. In the left corner, it's Anthony Weiner. This is more your speed, right, Anthony? It is. Yeah, Rich, not your speed. Certainly not my speed. But by the way, I tell you what we found out today. Rich is a Curtis Flacky here. You know, he blindsides me. I'm with him the whole hour. That was that was so low budget, man. Hammer time. Hammer time. Yeah, that's right. Right up without you even realizing it. Bang! Yep. Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born. Which would have never made anybody's playlist yet. Lady Gaga, yes, Bradley Cooper, no. But we're on to what may well be the most serious problem this city has in its recovery. Number of stories that came out this week, and you're an expert in this area. You had plans on how to maintain the economic uh, vibrance of New York City. A, the 5,000 businesses that have closed their doors just in Manhattan alone since the lockdown and pandemic of uh, March of 2020. Obviously, Eric Adams has nothing to do with any of that uh, for a wide variety of circumstances. Some have moved to Brooklyn. Brooklyn is is actually booming out of all the boroughs, but most of them will never come back. So you have the owner of the Hudson Yards way over on the west side by the uh, last stop of the 7 train by the Jacob Javits Center saying, we need a recession to force people to come back into these empty offices. I'm saying, my God. Uh, Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan Chase, he's got this... The ugliest building I've ever seen being constructed on uh, 49th Lexington between Park. I asked the construction guys, when is it scheduled to be finished? 2025. I said, is there going to be any workers left to be in there? And this week, his prediction were dire. You know, recession, people are going to be laid off. What do you 
do with all this empty space, Anthony Weiner? Well, we always think it's going to stay empty. I remember when we were having these arguments about redeveloping down by ground zero and and Mike Bloomberg was slow to realize he was focused on Olympics and other things. And it was the same thing then after September 11th. It says, well, why would you need all this additional office space? We're developing the west side. Why do you have to develop lower Manhattan? We grow into it, and it'll be back. The question is, what are the right government policies to get them back? I think Eric Adams is exactly right to be kind of browbeating business leaders into forcing people to come back. I know our employer, John Katsimatidis, says absolutely everyone should come back. Just around here, we have kind of like like B-level real estate here on 3rd Avenue in the 40s here at Turtle Bay. You know, you go out during lunchtime on a beautiful weekday, and usually it's crowded with workers, and there is nobody. That's a problem. That's a problem. And I and I, I tell you, I, I don't know, you know, higher interest rates are not great for building and development, but um, but we'll see. I mean, inflation doesn't help anything. We have a fundamental problem that once people – realize that they can work from home and we have a tight job market, employers are loath to say come back or else because they, they're fearful that they're going to lose a lot of workers. And we are, you know, we are finance and we are real estate and we are entertainment. Those are our three entertainment tourism. Those three legs of our stool, you take any one of them out, we have some real problems here. And right now, real estate and finance, they're both struggling a little bit and so is tourism. I assume all three of those, it's cyclical, and it's going to get better soon. You know, it's interesting for the premium worker, the man or the woman who's good with their computer skills, who have discovered that there's a quality of life they have in their home, in their town, their village, their borough, that they didn't have here in New York City when they were in the rat race. But what a lot of these CEOs are not seeing publicly, but I know privately because I know some of these folks, now that they're at home, as long as they're productive – the bosses generally don't mind. Now they can keep two separate computer terminals up if they're really good, or two jobs simultaneously. You, as the owner-operator, the boss, the CEO, the CFO, the COO, you would have no idea that they were actually productive at two jobs. They're collecting two checks, whereas if they had to come to work and be in their cubicle, there's no way they could uh, handle doing two separate jobs. You would never permit it. You would cold bust them, and you would probably fire them. But notice Jamie Dimon, he threw down the gauntlet, you got to come back. And they said, no, we're not coming back. So he's had a compromise. A lot of these big companies, even the city, they're losing workers, not just cops, but civil servants are just, that's it. They're quitting or early retirement, they're cashing in their pension. So there's got to be an alternative way, unless you believe in some of these CEOs who are saying recession good, because then all of a sudden workers are going to be desperate for work, and then we can once again draw the lines of what involves your employment as opposed to thinking you could sit at home, enjoy a a better quality of life, and do your work from home. Yeah, the only problem with that thinking is that unemployment has actually stayed pretty level. It's a very weird economy. Usually if you see high inflation, high interest rates, usually see knocking on the door. Like there's no such thing as a job growth in recession, so we're in a weird moment. But I don't know what the answer is. It's like a lot of things. You know, people – we went through a big structural change in our country with COVID. That people start experiencing things entirely differently. We have 10% fewer kids in our schools. We used to have a problem with overcrowding our schools. 1.1 million is down to under a million now. And that's changed our entire conversation. We're having this whole argument about, are we cutting schools? Should we cut funding to school? Well, there are fewer kids. There are, there are fewer people on the subways, but they're starting to get back to close. So the Long Island Railroad, for example, is starting to get, get close. Theoretically, there are fewer people coming into the city to work. In that case, why is rental in- inflation so high? Why? Why? What's forcing them? People can be anywhere, and yet still, there the the price for an apartment in New York City has almost never been higher. Manhattan, five thousand dollars. It's now. crazy. It's crazy. So, like, s- stuff is going on. I think one thing I would say is, I think we've got to have reasonable expectations on how much government can do to solve any of these problems. You know, I've been having this email conversation with one of my listeners, Wendy. She's been saying, government should just go out and build low-income housing for people. Well, we don't have the money to do that. We, we, need, we need it. You know, but, but the fact remains that a lot of these problems we're not going to be able to solve. I like what Adams is doing, saying we want everyone to come back, beating the drum on that, trying to bring down crimes so people feel safe doing it. But there's no doubt about it. We went through a body a body blow. The, the whole idea, Jane Jacobs wrote about this, the whole idea is that cities become magnets for people. 
because they have culture. People work together. Smart people are together. There's a lot of tolerance in big cities. People feel comfortable there. And they get together and networks are formed. Well, you know, uh, and during the campaign, I got shut down by a lot of media outlets and a lot out there because my perception is what's wrong with less people in the city? Cities are being too taxed to begin with. It's not enough housing, not enough transportation. Why not encourage people to leave if they're capable of leaving so there's more space, there's less traffic, there's less of this day-to-day rat race. It's bad. It's bad quality of life, tension, stress. If people are capable of leaving, why not spread them out? We got places in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. There's no people. Yeah, but the people who are mobile are the people that have money. And so you need those people to live in your city. You need middle-class people living in your city so you can support the things that you need for people who aren't middle-class. So it becomes an attractive – so you have the wherewithal to be able to do these other things. We've always been very lucky that way. We've had this very good mix of people who are really struggling, and there are a lot of them in this city. Like 40% live below the poverty line in our city. People in the middle class, which you and I both made focus of our campaigns. And thank goodness we have a lot of rich people that are very, very rich paying a lot of taxes – we need – no city can be all one thing. I used to say no city can be all white rice. We've got to be a little bit of pot thai. We have to have a little bit of everything. And so if you try to – if you take people who are able to leave and they start packing their bags and leaving, that's the problem for a city. Well, why is it a problem if you can't sustain them, if you can't support them? If, for instance, there are too many people for your grid, too many people for your mass transit system, if people are willing to go and are capable of going – and you have empty space, and you can convince people, have a secondary apartment, which many people have. You come into the city, you enjoy yourself. You're just not a full-time occupant in the city of New York. Well, isn't that kind of what happened with the suburbanization and the gentrification of New York, is that that people started to spread further and further and further away. But we still want New York City to be a magnet for people. No city wants to be in decline. No city wants to be losing population. No city wants to have property values going down. When people see property values going up, I know it means we all pay more, but that's ultimately a good. That's an aspiration all cities have. They don't want to be Detroit in the 1980s and the 1970s. You, I mean, the question is, I mean, we're not. It's a strange time to have that position, Curtis, because we have lost a whole bunch of people, and we're struggling because of it. I well, mean, we're, we're struggling, but then again, once it levels off, once it levels off, and we're in a manageable time in which we lower our budget, lower our expectations. And think about a better quality of life for all, the poor, the indigent, the lower middle class, the middle class, the upper middle class, the wealthy. I think we'll be better off for it. But you can't suddenly change the fact that work is being done virtually. If men right. and women, are, it's like Tesla. Elon Musk, you've got to come back. You're going to lose your, work, your job. Well, guess what? Tesla isn't the number one provider of automobiles any longer. He's having his own struggles. It's a struggle you wouldn't mind having when you have all those billions. <laughs> But he's also beginning to wrestle with these realities that if the workers have a certain skill level, they're in demand. Well, let's see. Let's see. I mean, we're in the early days here. You know, this is we're still sorting this out. We don't know who's productive and who's not. We don't know if companies are going to start rewarding people for being in different places and saying we're going to we're, we're going to pay pay less if you live in a certain place. I know that if you work for Google and you live out by one of their their server uh, their server sheds out in Tulsa, you make less than you would make if you're working here in New York City. Let's let's see. I, there is going to be a lot of data about post-COVID mental health, post-COVID economics. Post-COVID worker behavior, all of this stuff, we went through this traumatic shock to our system. The economy is still sorting it all out. It could well be that everyone thinks, okay, this is a great thing, and then they realize, you know, I miss being at the office. I know, but, yeah, and that's true of some, but not all. Isn't the desire of every human being, every human being, no matter what strata they're on, to have a better quality of life for them, if they have children, their, their parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, extended family? If, in fact, they have a better quality of life because they're working at home, they're now shopping with vendors in their own town, their own borough, their own village. They're getting to know their neighbors, their kids. They're no longer getting up before their kids get up and then coming home at the time that their kids have already gone to sleep. Isn't that better for the family well, structure? Well, it, it might be. It might be. But, listen, we're a we're a society that has focused our social lives around our workplace more people meet their future spouses at the workplace. This is where you make your friendships. This is where, you know, listen, it's eight hours, whatever it is, nine hours a day. You add in a commute. This is where it is. 
this might be a great cultural shift we're having, or maybe not. Maybe people are, are out there working, but they're not knocking on the door. Well, there are neighbor. always people going to want to be urban dwellers. They're going to look. We had the greatest mass uh, white migration in the history of urban America, with white hipsters and millennials flooding into New York, reviving communities that were right. in the abyss. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, they're very liberal and progressive, so they really <laughs> they imbalance the political system. But they've been a boon to the city. Absolutely. But there are others who have said no. Got to get out of here. Look, Puerto Ricans, right, used to be the dominant Hispanic group. They've moved on up. They're moving on out. They, they're now populating suburbia. This is the great trek. New people come in. The Dominicans are the largest Hispanic group. Eventually, they will develop their wealth. They will develop their equity. Right. They'll want to move on And now out. Mexicans are supplanting right. other than Dominicans. Right. So yeah, yeah. we should be encouraged. It's called moving on up. Right. You want to stay in the city? Fine. But most Americans... Don't do well in the rat race. Look at them. Look at the tension, the stress. Look at all the problems that come with it. I believe a lot of people are smoking and drinking and using drugs because of that kind of tension. Right. But it also could be that the isolation that came with shutdown in in, in all kinds of ways, the staying at home, going to work in your pajamas at your laptop rather than getting up, combing your hair and going out to work, that social isolation might turn out to be not what people want. I mean, I get you. There might be some people that this turns out to be to, to be. Why not let people for? choose what's well, best for them? I think that's out. Isn't that what's happening? Isn't the marketplace kind of speaking? Now, that, but if there's a recession, like some of the big Fortune 500 guys want in order to get everybody no back, back in the that. office, come on, Curtis. No trust me. In the it. back of their minds, they're saying it's the only place we're going to be able to fill up our office buildings, and we can tell them all. Either show up for work or you're unemployed. But anyway, up next, we're just about at the time of the All-Star Game. You're the Met fan. I'm the Yankee fan. We can assess where our teams are. And also, in fact, home run derby. We got two players. Your guy is the better one. He's going for a three-peat. Alonzo, right? Yep. In the meantime, Stanton is back in it, but Judge, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to pop an oblique muscle. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Oh, I'm going to take you on a uh, time uh, voyage back when we used to watch it on TV. Not at the All-Star Game before you were even birthed, Anthony Weiner. Right here exclusively on WABC. If you missed any of Anthony's uh, main show when he's solo in the middle from 2 to 3, get it on podcast at WABCradio.com. Get his keys to the city, which is everything he would have done had he been mayor of the city of New York. And he would have been a great mayor at WABCradio.com. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. So what's this, Rich? Baseball music... What the hell is this, man? You have... Hall of Notes? What is this? Hall of Notes? Yeah, well, what would this have to do with baseball? Put me in, coach. You know, there's so many baseball songs as we go into the All-Star break for Major League Baseball. But then again, you're a dollar short a day late. Ever since you started the program with uh, Bradley Cooper, you know, a star is born. Just rub salt you know, in I'm Anthony Weiner's uh, wounds. Of, I'm getting a couple of texts from people who think that Rich might be the fall guy, that he actually was just... Doing your bidding, there's some evidence here that there is at least one caller that knew trouble was afoot. I don't know. I, it could be that Rich is maybe taking the fall here uh, for you, someone. Are you accusing me of a form of radio technology? I have been guilty of that in the past, but I declare no mas, no mas in terms of this. So let's get right into baseball, which is no longer, unfortunately, the national uh, pastime. Smash Mouth football is, but... Uh, baseball, I would say, hovers at number two, constantly being challenged by basketball. They've outpriced themselves. The average age of somebody who watches is 55. Kids don't really go to games any longer. They by don't the way, appear- edict from above, I have to stop talking about hockey now that the season's over on yeah. my show. So we can not even talk about that. Yeah, but baseball, this is the – are we – we're in a golden summer. You know, Mets and Yankee fans – Love to complain. You know, I, I was, you know, listen to sports radio. Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo. All right, you got one guy who's thinking up the joint. What does that guy strike out like 250 it's, it's, times a year? Really I mean, it really is pretty crazy. But 
everyone's we should be super happy here in New York. In All Star Break, going into an All Star Break where both of our teams look great, the Yankees look unstoppable. We lost Degrom, we lost Scherzer, and not only are we hanging in there, but both are going to be. I mean, Degrom's going to be back next week. Maybe he, they may even pitch him for the beginning of the Subway Series, which would be amazing that that's his first game back. I have no complaints. I am the rare Met fan, the rare New York sports fan. I have no complaints. Well, you've lucked out because Stephen Cohen, your new owner-operator, took over for the Wilpongis, poured uh, a lot of his uh, millions uh, from insider trader information. He should have been in jail. (laughs) But the fans, the Met fans, are happy because he's got very deep pockets. And whenever there's a void or a hold, he's told his management, Sandy, I'll listen to the rest of them, whatever it takes. Bring a championship to New York City. We want to beat the New York Yankees. Uh, Our impediment on the Yankees' side is always our manager, Aaron Boone. He's going to find a way to lose this. He really is. Cashman uh, and, obviously, Steinbrenner, one, two, three, or four, they'll give him the weapons. He'll figure out a way to blow this. But what I'm looking at is the fact that two of ours are in the home run derby. Your guy, Alonzo, uh, always is in it, no matter how many people tell him, um, doctor, sports therapist, like uh, Pete Alonzo, okay, please, please, uh, don't, don't, you know, you might ruin your season because you're swinging like you could tear a bicep, a tricep, an oblique, and he's going for a three-peat. That's how yep. good he is in home run derby. Meantime, Stanton, uh, who has not participated since 2016 when he won it, is back in it. And he's doing so much better because they're actually playing him in the field. You know, they, they, oh, you're too delicate. Right. Yeah, you're yeah. like a thoroughbred. You sit and collect sprint, uh, sprinters and you'll be a designated hitter. No, they have him in the field, just like they have Judge out there in the field. This is what you need to do to keep the circulation going. Judge is not in the home run derby because, God forbid, oh, he pull a little muscle. This is what the fans I, want. I, I don't know. If you ask a real Yankee fan, who doesn't want to, who's like walking on eggshells with Judge because, you know, Judge is such a big body. You know, he's had some injuries in the past, and they've seen it's just such an unnatural exhibition. You would never want, look, would you want these guys going out and playing a basketball exhibition in the middle of the season? This is an unnatural thing that they're doing. It's an unnatural swing with unnatural pitching. It's it's, it's a weird thing that they're doing. They're doing basically batting practice oh, as hard I'll as they can. I'll never forget. I forget. Think back, okay? To uh, slamming Sammy Sosa when he was all roided up and he was actually right. black, unlike now where he's whiter <laughs> than you and me together. Slamming Sammy Sosa was in the Milwaukee Brewers Stadium. He was hitting moonshots, 550. You could see the the, the right, muscles right. bulging in his head. You see, he was all roided up. But he put on a show. And you know who beat him? Even though he was hitting moonshots? Our own Jason Giambi roided up I for the New York that. Yankees. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was great. Unfortunately, the home run derby is not what it used to be because you weren't even birthday. What year were you born? 1964. Oh, you missed it. You missed it. 1960, you would turn on TV. I think it was Channel 9, and they had home run derby. There was an announcer from Wrigley Field, not in Chicago, in Los Angeles, and you would see Mickey Mantle competing against Willie Mays. As part of the All-Star Game no, ceremonies? No, or just separate, randomly? Separate. They were beginning nothing. They were like a few yeah. hundred dollars. And they'd be competing against one another. Pitcher, the same pitcher would be right, throwing, right. and they'd be hitting these moonshots. Wow. You had Hank Aaron. You had Harmon Killebrew. You had Duke Schneider. You had, in fact, the top uh, the top home run hit. Remember Gil Hodges. You had Gil Hodges yeah. competing. And they were like one-on-one the whole half hour. And then they it's would wild. ask you at the end. What'd you think, Mick? Well, you know, Willie, he was really on his game today. And these guys got nothing for and doing And they would do this during the season or as an off-season thing? It'd be do? all year long because they had taped these programs. Oh, yeah. And they go out to sunny Los Angeles. I'm sure they pay for it. Uh, smiling, I'll never forget. Ernie Banks of the Chicago Clubs. Al Kaline. Oh, uh, John Katsimatidis is favorite because he has that Rocky Calabito, uh, Louisville slugger bat that he used to beat off uh, uh, shoplifters right, in right. his first store. Oh, I love Rocky Calavita. And they'd be one-on-one for the full half hour. And I mean, some of them, you'd say, wow, Harmon Killebrew, he didn't really hit any moonshots today. And that was all for free. It wasn't part That's of wild. Major League Base. And it only lasted one season because I think the players, all of them all-stars, said, 
you know, we're only getting a few hundred dollars for yeah. this plus free, uh, you know, free flights and lodging in Los Angeles to play play at Wrigley yeah. Field, which was a real bandbox in Los Angeles. But you see, that's when the fans were getting value. They I don't know. get value anymore. It is fine as part of the as part of the All Star thing. There is some evidence that participants in the Home Run Derby suffer in the second half. I mean, it's hard to tell if it's statistically significant or not. There have been guys that have been injured there. If I, like, look, Judge, I would be wrapping him in bubble wrap between every game just to keep him whatever he's doing. So if he doesn't want it because he's concerned about his health, he, you know, he's on a contract year now, so I wouldn't mess with it. But I think, you know, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a, a great second half. I have very little interest in the All-Star game. Does the All-Star game are they playing for home field still? Is that still one of the rules? I believe that whoever so. wins the All-Star game gets home so, field. Yes, I believe so so. But you know, mistake. what used to be great, you go to a ball game. It's in the old days, even when you were gone. Oh, they may have outlawed it at the time. They had stenciled on the side no pepper. Yeah, of course. So, you would have the teams playing pepper on the side. All they're doing all kinds of tricks. All kinds of illusions. It was great entertainment. Then you'd have Frank Corsetti with the fungal bat hitting fly balls to all the outfielders, Tommy Tresh, Mickey Mantle, Roger no Maris. This is before the game even started. For free. F-R-E-E. Well, but it wasn't, enter- it, it wasn't entertainment for entertainment. Like they were like getting loosened up. I always... I never quite understood the problem with pepper. Like, I mean, someone must have hit it in the head or something. Because... Well, you know, somebody said, I don't want any pepper on my eggs. I want only salt. You know, that was the problem. No pepper. Well, what? what hand-eye coordination. Yeah. And they were put on a show. It's sort of like the Harlem Globetrotters who would do all those tricks with a basketball. Major League Baseballs would do all these tricks with a baseball. And you said to yourself, wow, that's why it's the national pastime. Oh, up next, what, episode nine the Harry Harrison Never listened to him. Didn't listen to WABC when they spun stacks of wax. But pay attention. Stay tuned because it's no worse of The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Thank <laughs> here, God. Here, here, here. Thank God. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.